Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co-host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 5, Charades. How are you doing this morning, Vicki? Good, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. And did you enjoy this episode? I liked it. I mean, I like a lighter episode every once in a while, which probably means we're going to have tragedy next week. But (laughs) yeah, I liked it. I really don't have much to say about it. It was good. Yeah. You know, there was nothing extraordinary that happens. Well, let me go ahead and read the synopsis of this from the Memory Alpha fandom wiki. A shuttle accident leads to Spock's Vulcan DNA being removed by aliens, making him fully human and completely unprepared to face T'Pring's family during an important ceremonial dinner. I gotta tell you, I did not like this one. (laughs) Yeah, it was light. There was nothing really to it. There were parts where I think they were over the top with Spock. Yeah. It was for comic relief, mostly, it seemed like. Except that here's what I wasn't that crazy about. It felt like a Tears episode or some, you know, sitcom (laughs) where they're, you know, trying to do the whole Shakespearean personality swap thing. I think it's Twelfth Night where they swap characters. Anyway, and it falls flat. And I think it's because they tried too hard to make it profound like with what Spock learned about his mom and working with his mom. I think you need to either keep it profound or keep it light. And I think they tried to head down the middle and it didn't work. I will say this. I loved what we got to see about the Vulcan culture and what he and T'Pring had to go through with their parents to move their engagement forward. I thought that was fascinating. I also thought it was fascinating how his crewmates really tried to help make this work. You know, the captain is right there and he's cooking, you know, Vulcan food for this event. And so I I enjoyed that. And, you know, because Spock is dealing with human emotions, which, see, and I think the the starting premise bugged me. So here they are, he and Chapel are in a shuttlecraft. They're exploring an anomaly and there's an accident and the sort of other dimensional beings that live in the anomaly or on the other side of the anomaly fix them, send them back, except that the template that they used was Chapel and made him fully human. Rather than recognizing that he had, it doesn't make any sense to me. DNA is DNA. His DNA is going to be his DNA. How are they going to like look and say, oh, well, this person's DNA should be the one way that takes the lead here. It didn't make any sense. Right. And the, the way I was looking at it was just because he has Vulcan DNA and human DNA. So they took the human. Yeah, go ahead. And the human matched her. So they assumed that he should be human. But why? 
I don't know. That's what doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I would think that if they have that kind of medical expertise, that they would just look at his DNA in a vacuum and look at her DNA in a vacuum and see that they're related. They could be, you know, parallel evolutionary paths on the planet. I mean, just there was so many things that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> so that started there and it just kind of went trailing off. And the other thing that didn't make sense is that this ship and Starfleet is an entity of exploration and they did nothing to further explore this anomaly. Now, I know that like the people on the other side of the anomaly said, we're done. Right. We fix them. They're done. But they could have studied the anomaly, took readings, did analyses. You know, there was all this other data they could have collected from this archaeological site, etc. It all became about Spock and his humanness. Yeah. And it almost felt like they got distracted from what they would have normally done. Yeah. It's- yeah. And it just didn't make any sense. Um, a couple of things I did like also, in addition to the Vulcan culture. Did you recognize the name Corby when they were quizzing chapel to get ready to apply for a vulcan archaeological medicine no i don't think so well corby is the name of her quote-unquote fiance in the original series episode where they turned them into androids oh i would have never remembered that i remember she had a fiance that she was looking for but i would have never remembered his name yeah, that's, so that's who that was. So I thought that was a nice callback. I thought that was fun. I, I liked his interaction with his mom. You know, she comes on board to prepare for this ceremony and then being a mom figures out pretty fast that he's not normal for what was normal previously. You didn't have to be a mom to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, he yelled at her, which isn't yeah. him. So it doesn't have to be her. Anybody could have figured that out. Yeah, which also I thought felt unrealistic even though he had the human emotions he still had a lifetime of vulcan training on suppressing emotions where did it go there was no evidence that he was using it at all so like you said it was played for for laughs yeah but it just didn't make sense and i even thought at some point Pring knew something was going on just the way she was behaving i felt like she figured it out and then it turns out she didn't yeah so and we'll talk about that in a moment and to Pring, it was stressed about her mom her mom was being an overbearing mother. And so that led to the same question, where was T'Pring's lifetime of Vulcan training to rely on logic? You know, Spock theoretically had an excuse that he has this human DNA that, you know, made it hard for him to fall back on that. But where was T'Pring's? This should not have been an issue for T'Pring at all. And yet she comes on board stressed because her mom is being overbearing. (laughs) It all just sort of fell flat. If they had used different characters, it would have worked better. I think some challenge for different characters having to deal with something, you know, their fish out of water experience that would have been consistent with their character and consistent with sort of the cultural canon that we know, I think it would have worked better. Like maybe, I don't know, Uhura had someone come on board, like a professor, because, you know, her family is, was lost. Mm-hmm. Some kind of professor who served as a parent figure, and she didn't go in the direction that they, he or she hoped they would, you know, into linguistics instead as the communications office. You know, that kind of stress. I don't know. I just, it felt like they were not consistent with these characters, and so it just fell flat to me. I thought T'Pring's mom was a terrific character. I mean, she's not a likable individual. No, no, no. But I liked the character. I always feel like this kind of character, it feels like their logic to them is just a license to be rude, you know? Right. And it bothers me. Yes, because being polite is logical. Yes, exactly. I agree. It just bothers me. But we also know that the Vulcans do have some biases. Yes. That 
they struggle with. So the fact that she was continually consistent with her biases worked for me. Oh yeah, and I understand that's yeah. how that's how it is. It just always yeah. bothers me. Like, yeah, I agree. Why doesn't like, someone is, put is them? Logical. Right. Why Laying doesn't someone? The foundation to get along with other species is logical. Yeah, right. I agree. We're gonna pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. Attention Warehouse fans. Kim and Vicky continue on with the Warehouse theme on the 13th Warehouse with Friday the 13th, the 1988 television series. Follow Mickey, Ryan, and Jack as they hunt for cursed antiques sold by Uncle Lewis to unsuspecting and sometimes suspecting patrons of his antique shop. So stick with us on the 13th Warehouse for Friday the 13th, the series. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. There was a series of scenes where Spock was sort of learning how to embrace his humanness. You know, at the beginning, he couldn't smell the bacon because he had used his nasal suppressant. Right. And then when he became human, he could smell the bacon and he enjoyed it, even though as a Vulcan, he's a vegetarian <laughs> right so that those were kind of cute and they could have i think they could have kept that because I, th- I think that would have shown how sort of his human responses to circumstances would kind of overwhelm him a little bit mm-hmm. again we didn't see sort of the vulcan training and learning that is still in his brain sort of kick in oh wait i can't eat that i'm a vegetarian it's something along those lines it's just well, I just sort of saw him go with it. I just think the experience, the way I'm looking at it, is the experience of becoming human was so overwhelming that he, he couldn't access any anything else that he had learned. I guess, but I don't know. It just it didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Other things that sort of stood out. I guess let's talk a little bit about T'Pring at the end. He finally confesses what happened. Oh, Chapel comes in and gives him the cure. Chapel goes back to the aliens and, like, negotiates with them by opening a vein and, you know, letting out all her feelings mm-hmm. in a totally brutal and public way. And so she gets the cure, and she comes into the middle of the ceremony and gives it to him after he's concluded everything, right? Except for the mind meld. He hadn't done the mind meld yet. I thought he did. No, because he was able to see the memory that she... Right. Okay, yes, yes. Anyway, and then he finishes the ceremony, and and I also didn't like the whole, I went through this whole ceremony as a human thing. See, I why did. Does he, why does he need to say that? Because what I was saying before, which you didn't hear, I always feel like, because they're so rude, I always feel like I want someone to put them in, in their place, and I know that nobody ever does. I did like that. I did. Uh, see, I didn't. It wasn't logical. She was not going to have her opinion changed by the fact that he completed this ceremony as a human. And th- so it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't think he was trying to change her opinion. I think he was trying to prove a point. I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. It just, again, it was just another thing that sort of didn't make sense to me. So I don't know. But yeah, I could certainly understand as a viewer the satisfaction of her being put in her place. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's probably why they did it. Yeah, I would have actually preferred Supreme to do it, or her husband. Me, that would have been more meaningful. Oh, absolutely. If the husband would have grown some, and yeah, that would have definitely been better. Absolutely. Yeah, 
you know what? He went through this. He did great. All your concerns about him being half human are completely, you know, not unsupported. Your stance is illogical, my wife. You know, that would have been that would have been amazing. So so then after he makes this announcement, he and Tipring go back and talk to each other. And she is, I think, very rightfully unhappy with him. Mm, I get it. I mean, he was going to tell her she was overwhelmed with her mother. But then earlier they mentioned she did have to mind meld with her mother. So I think it was safer for him not to tell her. Oh, I agree. I, I totally agree. I'm not I'm not actually disagreeing with his stance. I yeah. just am agreeing with her unhappiness about it. Oh, sure. Yeah, I thought he actually made the right decision yeah. when he decided not to tell her because she was so clearly overwhelmed by her overbearing mother. Right. And he made a thoughtful and loving decision to not burden her further. Right. And he decided that she didn't like that decision. So it's one of those situations where I don't think anybody was right. You know, I just understand her unhappiness. So they actually then sort of break up, which was, you know. (laughs) And then at the end, Chapel comes in to talk to him. And then he says, Dupring and I broke up because I have feelings for somebody else. And I felt like I was in the middle of a Twilight episode. He didn't. That's not why they broke up. Right. He made it sound like it was his doing. Right. I was just sort of like, wow. And he did it for her. 90s teen television. Yeah. Yeah. And then they kissed. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Which I think the problem I have with that is this. If they're going to embark on a relationship, it sort of then makes the behavior that we see between the two of them in the original series, it doesn't kind of gel. Uh, She has this very unrequited love thing going on in the original series. And right now, this love is being requited. And people behave differently when a relationship ends. So I don't know if they're going to like maybe make her memory go away. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Maybe if after you see this and you go back and look at the original series, maybe we're just assuming it's unrequited. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. You're you know, because right. watching this can kind of change your view on what we'd already seen because you can look at it a different way. And like we yeah. said, I don't know how many episodes ago, we were looking forward to what changes between this Spock and making him the Spock that we know from. Yeah, you're right. This would do it. So that's a really good point. You're right. Yeah, I wasn't all that concerned with that because in my mind, you could look back at Nurse Chapel in original series and we assumed it was unrequited because we had nothing else to go on. But now we have something to go on. If you rewatch the episodes, would we look at it differently? And maybe we could do that down the road and take a look at them and see how they they look and how they feel now with this backstory having been filled in. That would be really interesting analysis. Right, right. So there was a B story involved here with chapel you know like the a story was fox getting his vulcan dna removed and being fully human the b story was that chapel was applying for this vulcan i don't i don't want to say like opportunity academic opportunity where she could be part of this archaeological medicine training for a few months right and she had to apply for it and recite all these rules which is where that you know corby's law of archaeological medicine came in where we got that reference back to that original series episode um and so this b story was that that she applied and she did her interview and they rejected her because she didn't recite the laws verbatim instead you know paraphrasing them as a human would and there was you know of this very snooty vulcan saying we don't think that you would fit in here and then i think 
if I remember correctly, he gave her an opportunity to, um, I, I think she was... Um, she thought her field work would give her some leverage. Right, and, and asked him to review it. Yeah, and he said he yeah. would review it. Yeah. yeah. And then so she came back, and then he was like, yeah, no, you're not going to be a good fit here. But you can reapply later if you want. And then she told him about her experience going to, you know, visit these interdimensional beings and... They gave her access to this medical procedure, which she called it an ancient medical procedure. But is it? I mean, I don't know how she knew that. There's an ancient civilization, but it could have been a brand new procedure for them being interdimensional beings. I don't know. Anyway, but it was enough to get him really excited and he wanted to know more. And she was like, yeah, you can read it about it in my paper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed that very much, too. That was the kind of one-up that I felt made a lot of sense because she was pointing out to him that his position was illogical. She had information and expertise and experience that was of value that he failed to see. Right. And I, I enjoyed that. And yeah. it was consistent with, you know, the difference between Vulcan logic and human logic. And I thought it was just really good. Are there any other things that stood out for you in this episode? I don't think so. Like I said, I didn't have a lot to say about this. It was it was watchable, I guess, is what I would say. I liked it enough to watch it all the way through. Um, would you watch it again? Uh, it wouldn't be my first choice. Okay. It just felt like a palate cleanser and something horrible <laughs> is going to happen next week. That's all right. It, all right. Fair enough. And what rating would you give this on a scale of 1 to 10? I would probably just give it a 7. Oh, okay. You're more generous than I. I'd give it a 5. It was right down the middle average as far as I was concerned. Yeah. So, all right. Cool. I think seven's my lowest so far, though. And you know what? And we've talked about this before. Yeah. No series can have 100% awesome episodes and to me a five is like right down the middle average i think it's good it wasn't bad it wasn't great like the previous ones were which may have set me up for with higher expectations because they have been so good yeah like i said i think they just tossed this in because next week's going to be horrible or tragic or something i don't know it just felt like a palate cleanser to get us ready for whatever's coming all right are you ready for whatever's coming i guess i mean we know the gorn's coming eventually but i don't know if they're going to wait till the end of the season for that or what the deal is but i just feel like usually when they throw a a lighter episode in we're getting ready to see tragedy well i will be interested in seeing if you're correct or not okay well we invite our listeners to join us next time when we talk about star trek strange new worlds season two episode six lost in translation suspect it'll be an ohura one yeah probably huh that would make yeah. sense. So maybe it's not going to be tragic. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> it could be Uhura translating something about the Gorn. That that could be, yeah. I mean, because, you know, the La'an one was tragic and yeah. heavy. And uh, the Una one was heavy. And the Erica one was heavy-ish. And now the, the Spock one was light. So I, I will say I'll be very interested in seeing if your your theory pans out. Because a, it's an interesting and good theory. All right, my friend, thank you so much. All right. You have a great day. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter at Ross Bugden 
licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.